0: Hello, I'm Bose. Welcome to the Net Hero Podcast. Now, sit down. This is the 100th episode. Can you believe it? What the hell have I been doing? 100 times. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching, because we've been doing a video lately, but also listening. Uh, We've got 28,000 downloads. What the hell, it's going bonkers. So really, really glad that you guys are watching and listening to it. And for the 100th, I thought, let me think about this. Could we go and get some real big shot from the industry? Shall we go and get some weird little bit of technology? No. I thought, why don't I get a lovely person who I've known as a child, sounds very weird, who's now become a woman, the lovely, the wonderful Juliet Sanders, who is what, what's your official tier, title at Energy UK these days, Jules? Uh, the official one is Director of Strategic Communications. Ooh, yes. uh, I know. Ooh, sounds fancy. So I have got. I go back a long long way, a really long way with Julia. In fact, she was a young grad who just joined the energy sector, and we just started Energy Live News. And I want to do something slightly different, uh, and I hope you'll bear with me, uh, listeners. We, we call this the Net Hero Podcast, and we've had loads of people talking about great technology over the years. But actually, I love Jules to me. I think she is actually a bit of a hero. So I want this episode to talk about why she's such an energy geek. Look at her. Look at those! Can we start by the earrings, please? Just show the yeah, earrings. Yeah,
1: of course, I'm wearing them. Um, they turn. They These turn. These are available to buy on the Killer Jewels website, <laughs> um, along with other models, and we have more products coming soon for Christmas. So uh, let's
0: yeah. let's start at the beginning. You, yeah, you you've been in energy, as I said. Is it now 13 years, 10 years? How long have you been
1: now? Oh, good question. 2011. 2011. So, right. So yeah, 12, 12, 12 years.
0: years. Yeah. So. What what got you into energy and why are you so obsessed with it, girl? Firstly, congratulations on Thank your 100th you. episode. Very, very, very
1: well. happy to be here. Why did I join the energy industry? I think when I was at uni, so I studied engineering, manufacturing engineering, and we did a lot of kind of wider work around climate change and, and things like that. So I knew that I wanted to work in an industry where... I could make a difference, and I think actually it was just that one of the energy companies had come to one of our kind of careers fairs at uni, which does get does show the value of doing those kinds (laughs) of things. Yeah, and so I just I wanted to work in a in an industry where I knew that I could make a difference. So joined EDF on their graduate scheme, but the reason I've stayed is because it's just it's so interesting. I love learning, and I just think. You know there is never a day in this job where I don't learn something new but it also has that purpose element where you you know you really do feel like you're making a difference as well and so I think it ticks all of my boxes in terms of am I constantly learning you know is it a job with purpose and it's it's fun as well you know it's, it's always fun when you get to go stand on the top of a nuclear reactor or a turbine or something <laughs> like that you know so um, but I think as well it appeals to that you know obviously I started off in engineering and now I'm in comms but I think you know, there are some techie bits of the industry that are just powering forward and it seems to be proud of. So, you know, for example, when you look at how offshore wind has changed just in the last decade in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and you can talk about the turbines and you can talk about how much power they produce and you can see that innovation going on. And it's, yeah, it's really exciting, I think. But I'm probably
0: slightly too obsessed. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you do seem to have a lot of wind stuff. You've got the wind stuff in your background, the little turbine. Uh-huh. Let, let's go back to the beginning. So this is what, what I've, I've always seen you as kind of, showing that thing, which I think is very rare, actually, in our industry, which is the enthusiasm for what we do. And I think this is a a really important thing. But when you first started as a grad, you did lots of different things, didn't you? You you went through Mm -hmm. various bits. And there are a lot of young people who are probably now starting to look at this sector, the whole net zero energy space as a career. But I think when when you joined, and it's only a decade or so, probably not so much. Let's start with a couple of things. How many girls were doing engineering when you were doing it at uni? Um,
1: Probably on the main engineering course. So we did two years of general engineering. So that was like, you know, fluid dynamics, programming, mechanics, structures, all of it. Probably there it was around 30%. But then when I specialised in manufacturing, it probably got up to about 50% um, female. We still, obviously, there's a massive issue in industry, not just with gender diversity, but all kinds of diversity. And I think... The energy industry knows it has a long long way to go on on some of that but you're right i think it starts off at those early stages in, you know when you're thinking about what kind of subjects to study and and you think about who you see in those kinds of roles and does do you see a role for yourself in those kinds of jobs yeah
0: and you went and you did uh, various stints as you said first of all with edf and you i think you went to a nuclear power plant you did you went and looked at kind of the retail side of the business what do you think you learned about what energy is doing for society from this? Because this is very interesting. You said you, you wanted a job with purpose. Did you start to see the purpose of our our energy sector?
1: Yeah. And I think that's the great thing about grad schemes, right, is that you actually get a chance to experience all these different parts of, of businesses which you might not even know existed so I didn't even know that big companies had a media team I just didn't know that that was a thing and then I met someone at EDF and they were like you know come join this team for six months so I did it just just to kind of see what it was like i never ever ever anticipated I would stay in that in that area and then went into b2b energy efficiency and then into the b2c side for a little bit um as an analyst and then when I finished the grad scheme then I did um I joined Dungeon SB Working as a media relations um, officer, but I think that you know, even the comms side of it, I think very often people don't see it as important, you know. Or especially yeah. if you're in a kind of engineering role, then you're just mm. like, oh, you know, it's the comms team. What you know, what are they doing all yeah, day? Yeah, what they're and doing yeah, really, exactly? You know, just <laughs> answering the phone, you know, every once in a while to a journalist, maybe doing some tweets. But it's actually the those kinds of roles are really important, exactly for the reason that you've just out, outlined. You know, actually, we need to attract hundreds of thousands of people into this industry you know i think 1.2 million jobs in the net zero economy by 2050 and that's going to mean that we need to not only attract more people but make sure that we get it right this time and make sure that we do attract people from all sorts of backgrounds you know all kind of diverse characteristics so that we're really kind of serving society in that way so yeah comms is really important in that sense but i think i think for me i saw the purpose of it before i even joined you know because you could see how much energy impacts climate change and i think that was the real driver i think the learning that i've had particularly in the last five and you know two years is how much energy underpins the economy right. and that's the bit that i didn't really understand i think until you know until all of this stuff's come to light in the last few years so
0: and then you moved you worked for orsted which is a big obviously uh you know danish company that was called dong and now is very much in the forefront of the the wind side of things and You know, you're obsessed with wind. And I I I don't mean personal wind.
1: (laughs) I have to say, Energy UK is technology neutral. So as far as I'm concerned, all the technologies, you know, we don't represent upstream oil and gas. But apart from that, we, we treat all the technologies the same. However, it is easier to dress up as a wind turbine than it is to dress up as a solar panel. That's all I'll say. And it's easier to make earrings than a we'll, wind turbine. We'll, we'll get we'll get onto yeah. that in a minute.
0: But, you know, this is one of the things that's very interesting because it's one of those things that really, I think people, if you look at the public and you ask them, what is kind of renewable energy? They're the two things people would say. Or maybe three things. They'd say, oh, look, EVs. People can kind of see what an EV is. People can... Definitely see what solar panels are, and of course, wind turbines, who, you know, we literally I remember when we started Angel Live News, Well, two, three wind farms back in 2010? And now, you know, you can get, go pretty much anywhere in the country, you'll see them, they're part of the thing. But you've been up close, and there is something very interesting about them when you're on a little boat and bobbing around in the sea, isn't there? That, that was quite a visceral experience.
1: Mm, And I think it's weird, because when you're offshore, you can't, there's nothing to compare them to inside. So, you know, like, I know all the stats, you know, it's like 90 meter tall tower, and then you get offshore, and you're like, (laughs) is it definitely because I can't see anything else compared to it. So they don't, they almost don't look as big. But also, what was really interesting is floating offshore, right? So that is, you know, it's super interesting technology, that even now, I still, I do believe it, because I've seen them. But like, they have these turbines that float in the sea and that can withstand, you know, mega strong wind speeds and they don't knock over. And when you actually think about the engineering challenge behind that and it's generating and all of this and, you know, and they had to do a lot of thinking into how best to construct them out at sea because normally with, nor- with fixed, but not normal. Sorry, fixed-bottom wind turbines. You know, you can the concrete. Yeah, 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 yeah. but you get a jack-up vessel, so it can put the legs down and it keeps itself sturdy, and then you can have this kind of sturdy platform from which you can install it. You can't do that with a floating offshore wind turbine, so it's totally different way of kind of putting it together, and and really interesting when you go and see them offshore. They tilt to a little degree because they because of the they're, yeah. they're not stable. Yeah, yeah. So it's the still, best
0: way I can describe them for people are old, old enough, and maybe my audience is a bit mixed, but you know, sabutio. They're like sabutio things, but with a wind turbine. They, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, I use rubber, duck, you, you, yeah, so, yeah, rubber duckies. yeah, rubber duckies.
0: <laughs> but that technology thing, I suppose, is what people consider that net zero will be driven by technology, but that's not generally the case. How much do you see the idea of tech? Because there's a, another thing I want to explore with you is about human behaviour, but the tech side is doing a lot, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's all of it in one. And I think that's the thing with net, net zero. Zero means zero. Well, actually, it means maybe a bit more, but then yeah, takes it away with carbon capture. But, it, you know, you've got to throw everything at it. So I think part of it is is technology and innovation driven. And to that extent, you know, when you look at the decarbonisation of the power sector, all of that has pretty much been done without people having to do anything. So you have, you know, disruption, where there's construction. But aside from that, I'm switching on my 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 plugs, the same, absolutely, the same light switch, and the electricity that's being produced to, to power that is much cleaner. But then there's been big efforts in energy efficiency, which is a huge part of reaching net zero, right? How do we stop the wastage that is just you know we're literally chucking money through the windows because our houses aren't insulated properly so that's a big side of it and the innovation that then will just make it easier for people to do you know that that's the point right how do we make it as easy as possible for people to make the right decisions that are right for them and that that means giving them the right information so that they can choose because it's not going to be the same solution for everybody it means targeting support at those that might need it more than other people because not everybody is going to be able to afford to, you know, make those improvements in their homes or change the way they drive or even drive at all. So it's, it's, it is, I think we've done, I'm not saying it's been easy because (laughs) I've never built an offshore wind farm (laughs) myself, but we've done a lot of the
0: parts. (laughs) We've done really well. Yeah. No, no, I think, I think that story is not really said enough. Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. I I mean, we said, And maybe in my bubble, we say it a lot, but (laughs) we should be proud. But the next bit, that's going to be much harder because when we decarbonize heat and we decarbonize transport, that is going to mean disruption in people's homes. It is going to mean engaging with people. It's going to mean, you know, getting the smart meter rollout done. You know, really exciting stuff like the demand flexibility service last year. Right. When they which world first in using customer demand to help manage the, the grid. And that was, I think, 1.6 million customers with smart meters took part in that. And it meant that they were getting paid to shift their demand instead of, you know, fossil fuel producers being paid to, to shift up or down to, to balance the demand. But you need a smart meter to do that. So it's like, how can we make sure that we're engaging with everybody so that they can get the benefits from this transition, as well as the wider sort of societal benefits that we'll all get if, if well, when we get there.
0: <laughs> when we get there. you well, now moved and joined Yet Energy UK. Now, for, for the yep. viewers and listeners... Energy UK is, is the trade body for the energy sector. But what does it actually do? Because a lot of people say, we don't really hear much from them, right? If if you're a general member of the public, here in our world, the the energy world, yes. But it's not a brand name that people go, oh, actually, you know, if you ask the average Joe or Josephine on the street, they'll go, who are they? So what does yeah. Energy UK do?
1: So we, as you said, we are the trade body for the energy industry um, in the UK. And and you're right, we don't have that much of a public-facing comes but that's that's right because our job is really to represent industry to government to the media and try and shape policy and in, in a way that will achieve net zero in the most cost effective way essentially so we represent generators of all kinds wind solar we represent retailers so you know the household names that sell you your energy um I was about to start naming. Never do that because then you have to name them all. <laughs> You'd have
0: to name them all. It's, it's like the seven dwarves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I stopped myself there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a whole thing on yeah. being fair amongst the members, and we do everything in between. So you know, EV charging companies, heat pump manufacturers. The whole system. We don't represent upstream oil and gas, but apart from that, we've, we've pretty much got it all.
0: And you've grown. I mean, it, it was literally uh, the, the, as they used to be known as the Big Six energy companies, but you've got many more members now, haven't you? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yes. So we have over 120, and that's that's from really small UK-based startups right through to the big FTSE 100. But because we have that whole system perspective,
0: mm-hmm.
1: our view is very is really well respected at the highest levels of you know government shadow. Treasury, so we we're up there speaking with those people, and so being a member of Energy UK means that you know you work through our policy committees, and and they're sort of split into kind of retail generation and systems with working groups underneath. But it means that you get a seat at the table when we're sort of forming our policy positions. Yeah. So and and then it works the other way as well. So sometimes the department or the regulator might come to us and say, look, you know, here's an issue can we work with industry to sort it out? And it'll be our job to get everybody around the table and, and come up with the industry consensus. And-
0: but is, is that possible? Because that's the trouble, isn't it? It used to be very much seen as, you know, what were the big power uh, supplier companies, people know like the household Hell names and, you know, they had a big stake in what was happening, sort of a, a, a talking shop or a representation. You've changed, you diversified, you got that. How do you get consensus out of a hundred companies? that's really hard.
1: We don't always, and, you know, and and sometimes you can't. And what I like about energy UK is that actually, you know, our board encourages us to take a strong house view. So what we'll do is we'll gather all of that information because they recognize, we recognize, our members recognize that a trade body that is so diluted by different opinions that then it doesn't it's not able to take a strong exactly. view on anything yeah. isn't really, <laughs> you know, what what's that good what's for? what's the point so, exactly? We'll try and get one. Sometimes you can footnote out a company if everybody agrees apart from one naughty child, then that's fine. You can do that. Or the or the other way. So for example, we just released a report on the future of retail. Really interesting topic, right? And so what we've done is in the front half of the report, we kind of set out, you know, our principles as to what it should be. And that was stuff that everybody had consensus on. But then the second half of the report, we actually invited the members to do their own thought leadership right, sort of vision yeah. essays in terms of what their view was. So that was quite a nice, neat way of, of representing it all. But then there will be stuff where we do, you know, we have to achieve consensus. And that then is a, you know, so as an example, a recent thing that we did was the debt commitments, which we worked with Citizens Advice and Offgem and our members on. And that's, you know, winter, voluntary winter commitment this year to, to provide additional support um over and above the the regulatory obligations to, to those that are struggling with, to pay for their energy bills but in doing that you know that was something that they had to sign up to and so that was somewhere where we did have to get to a consensus in the end but yeah that's another example of, of what the sort of stuff that we do
0: yeah if you look at energy now right and i wouldn't have said this even probably maybe three years ago is kind of energy really now all about net zero? Because if you look at what's happened, the, the, the whole world has shifted. We all know we have to combat the changes that are happening uh, climatically, and not just that climatically, environmentally as well. Does energy actually mean emissions? Is that what it is now? Is it about kind of trying to reduce emissions? That's the sector now.
1: It It is, but joined with that is the fact that i mean luckily net zero actually is also the answer to cheaper energy more affordable energy and is also the answer to how we're going to make sure that our economy is you know continues to be able to compete on a global scale so i think it is about the carbon emissions but it's Mm. also about supporting you know it's every every single person uses energy so it's about supporting everybody to make sure that they can afford their bills and then it's also about how do we make sure that we you know creating jobs in areas that are outside of london you know 88 percent of the jobs in the green economy are going to be outside of london and the southeast so it's it's luckily what we want from the climate perspective actually also ticks all those other boxes but i think those two other elements are really important
0: this uh is a good time to sort of talk about the the people right so you know, I, I said at the beginning you're obsessed with it and I think you are. I think you're fantastic advocate. You go out and speak to people. You dress up as a wind turbine and you go <laughs> to festivals. Glastonbury, Emily Evis, if you're watching next year, get her in. But next year I'm manifesting
1: Glastonbury. Go, yeah. There you go, manifesting. <laughs>
0: Why the hell do you do that?
1: Why, that was the same question my dad asked me. He's like, <laughs> so he's like, who's paying you? I was like, no one <laughs> just doing it for the joke. Because I care, because I really care. And because I think think there is a fun and creative way that you can engage with people. And actually, I think when you do it in a way like that, whether it's through music or through, you know, dressing up as a wind turbine, or through earrings, for example, which are a conversation starter or any of that, then it just opens the door to that conversation. So I think, yeah, I don't know why. I'm a bit mad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But this is the thing that's very interesting that, you know... You talk to children now and the children, you know, my little one, he, he knows that the white bin is for recycling, right? Yeah. I certainly yeah. wouldn't have had any of that when I was growing up, right? And, you know, younger people, particularly those in their early 20s now, it's a very big thing for them. And one of the things I've always criticised, I'm, I'm a flipping old donkey now, but I also I was quite kind of young and funky and we sort of brought energy to the masses, it's more important now than ever than communicating. So doing things like what you're doing, do you do it? I know you do it because you enjoy it and you want to tell it, but do you kind of see that it can actually do the thing that's really important, which is bring everyone on this journey? Because it's not, there's no point just industry and sort of business people doing it. We've got to take ordinary people to understand why they should try and change their behaviour slightly.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and I think it's it is that, and it's also the jobs element, right, as well. So I think it's there's something there. That when I when I first went to the festival as the wind turbine, it did, it did actually work. I By went, the way, you've got I'm... to
0: check this out. Uh, it's yeah. ki- killer jewels. Look for her with a K. Look her up and just see some of her photos <laughs> dressed up. Fantastic. Sartorial elegance, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Thank <laughs>
1: you. But yeah, I'd gone up to somebody and I was like, oh, can I tell you a fact about wind energy? And they were like, oh, I think I know it already because okay. my friend met you yesterday <laughs> and they came back and told me. And I was like, that's what I want because I think when you do it like that, then it it incites other people to kind of spread the message. Or the other example that I always give was we did, I did a documentary when I was at Orsted and, um, and that aired on BBC and there was somebody that was studying to be a hairdresser and they saw that documentary. And then now they're working as a wind turbine technician. So it's like, it does comes it does have a purpose, and it, you know, and that's why that's why it's really important to communicate about what our industry's doing. And I always used to do, you know, if I'm in a taxi or whatever, or <laughs> in a bar, you know,
0: just spread the word. Guess yeah. I guess who I had in the back of my cab? That Juliet Saunders. That, <laughs> what what do your colleagues think about all this? Because there's a job, then there's a job, but the advocacy yeah. and the kind of, you know, the, the messaging that you love to do. What do people think?
1: They support it. I mean, Emma Pinchbeck, who's our CEO, she was very much, she knew that I was doing this when, <laughs> when I got the job. And I asked if I was able to carry on, and she said yes. I mean, I, I do try and keep it a, a little bit of a separate line, although obviously they're quite linked. But, you know, I think it's, I think the board and all of our members would probably be supportive of just trying to get the message <laughs> out a bit more to, to people for sure.
0: Yeah. One thing I wanted to pick up before we end is, you know, This whole thing, the transition to cleaner energy, it all seems very young, right? It all feels very smart. Smart grids and EVs and these kind of tech things. It's all kind of nerds and it's all young, cool people doing stuff with apps. But there are a whole lot of people, older people, people my age group, uh, you know, who will be nervous about the energy transition. They'll be thinking, if I work in certain sectors or certain industries, will my jobs go? How do you ensure, how do you think we communicate and we make sure that we don't? leave people behind because there's no point this being a transition to net zero just for the educated or just for the young
1: yeah no i totally agree and that that's what we mean when we say a just energy transition it's not just about how you know making sure that everybody who uses energy has access to those opportunities it's about making sure that the workforce the a that we currently have and be our future workforce is is supported um I actually you know yes we need all the the young shiny new bits but then also there's a whole load of experience in in that older generation that is going to drop off if they start to retire and things like that so it's really important that we continue to engage with them um and there are schemes I think there's lots of opportunities for transfer over so if you look at floating offshore wind as an example that was invented by two guys or the, the kind of concept that came that enabled that was two people that worked in the oil and gas industry course, yeah, and yeah. they saw that technology and then they thought actually if we marry that with offshore wind can we do something there and that's now you know set to be the next biggest technology globally to, in terms of um sort of clean technology rolls out rollouts so there's definitely opportunities there you know again with gas gas engineers you know course, can they we're going to need engineers. engineers in yep. decarbonized heating engineers so there's there is lots of opportunities for retraining reskilling Industry should be working with government to provide this, and that's why as soon as we get that long-term, if government provides the sort of the long-term targets and the long-term views that then enables industry to ramp itself up both in terms of training, but also the supply chain and all the other bits that you need, then actually that's where government and industry can work really closely together to make sure that we have that that just energy transition. But you know, some of our members, Scottish Power, does a reskilling um, or re re-entry program for people that are coming back into the energy industry, maybe after taking a career break or something like that. And and I think lots of our other members do retrain from one element to another. So even in Equinor, when I worked there, they had a lot of fluidity across the business, both both from the oil and gas side onto the renewable side. But interestingly, sometimes from the other side, so from the renewable side into the oil and gas side. And actually, you know, I never even thought about it from that perspective. But, you know, taking the knowledge that you've learned from, this part and how can we apply it into the into this part so there's a lot of opportunity i think for skills transfer and the other thing that i would say is quite often in energy people can come in having no experience you know there is so many opportunities to be trained up and these companies do it well so there there should be plenty of opportunities for everybody if they want to join an industry that has
0: purpose well you'd definitely be around in 2050 what do you reckon the world will be looking like then
1: I would not like to guess. I, I don't make judgments like that. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not a betting woman. No, no, no.
0: Will you still be dressing up as a wind turbine in 2050? But by the way,
1: yes. By that point, we'll yeah. have lots of uh, lots of different outfits. We'll have a floating one, I think. There, there must be a way to do that, and maybe uh yeah. Maybe get some
0: other people involved. I want to end with something which is you. You got enthusiasm. You got. Ba- Hopefully, the viewers and listeners can tell you. You got bags of enthusiasm and. You know, for people who say it's all too hard, uh, it's going to cost too much. You know, it's just too long. What's what's your what's your last thoughts? Because I, I know that you really do believe that we can do things for for for, for the better of all of us.
1: Yeah, I would say it it is going to cost a lot, but the majority of that investment will come from the private sector, and and it will cost less overall the quicker that we get started. So. I think that you know we know what we need to do. We need to unlock that investment, and overall, in the long term, it will end up not only saving us money but saving the planet, which is really you know what we should all existentially be thinking about. So um, yeah, that's what
0: I would say. There we go. She's still at it. Juliet, thank you for being the hundredth net hero on the net hero. Podcast. Thank you. I've enjoyed you. talking. To you. And listen, uh, we'll we'll see you doing things. Keep following her. The uh, the killer jewels rapping. I didn't even get into the music, so there's there's tunes out there if you're into There's a whole nother episode. There's though, a whole nother
1: episode um... there. <laughs> If I can end with a short plug, if anyone is listening and would like to become an Energy UK member, not only do you oh get all the other God. benefits that I've outlined before, but you get discounts to our amazing events. Like our I can't believe that that
0: so that, that bit to... I'm going to have to edit Sorry. out. Listen to it. A consummate <laughs> saleswoman. Uh, Jules, thanks so much for joining us on the Net Hero Podcast. Thank you. Remember, you can listen to us, download us. There's plenty of episodes in the back catalogue. We're looking for guests all the time. We're trying to get this message out that Net Zero is for all. So please subscribe. And if you'd like to be featured, then drop me a line, nethero at futurenetzero.com. Until the next episode, which will be 101. See you soon. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, Email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.